following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. What is your heart given to? Almighty God, would you search our hearts today? Would you search our hearts today for what we are given to? Time money, energy. I stood at the shores of the beautiful area of Caesarea. The waters of the Mediterranean were crystal clear and warm. A place of absolute stunning beauty. This is where a man by the name of Cornelius lived. The remains are yet there of the great horse racing, chariot racing tracks. There is yet there the great arena for the plays. I stood on the stage of that great arena while a friend stood all the way at the top many rows of seats rising far, far into the air. And I spoke in a voice like this, and he could hear every word with absolute clarity. This place, Caesarea, was a place of absolute luxury and godlessness. It was a wicked city. But in the midst of this wicked city, there was a man, a centurion, a soldier, a commander, who was godly. That's astonishing because he was not Jewish. But the scriptures record him in Acts, the 10th chapter, as a man of deep prayer, 
a man who prayed constantly and who gave out of his abundance. He gave charitable gifts to the poor. He was praying. And he saw in a vision in verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, that is about nine in the morning, he saw an angel of God having come to him and having said to him, Cornelius, does God know your name? I want God to know my name. The reason the Lord knew his name is that his prayers and his charitable gifts had come up before the Lord God of heaven as a memorial offering. The angel said, send men to Joppa. Send for Simon, the one being called Peter. Well, what's Peter doing In Joppa, he has a wife. I've seen his home, the remains of it. He was from Galilee. He had a wife. He had a fishing business to take care of. What's this man doing way over in Joppa on the coast? Well, the scriptures tell us he had been traveling going to the different places where those who were persecuted had fled from Jerusalem, and he was visiting with them, making sure they were all right. And as he is in Joppa, he raises a man out of the sickbed, paralyzed for eight years, And a great work of evangelism begins to explode there and throughout Joppa. And he's there ministering to these people who are coming to find out who this Jesus is. Now, Peter is also praying. The next day, As these men are drawing near, Peter went upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So it has taken these men more than a day to walk all the way from Caesarea up the coast to Caesarea, to Joppa. It's a four-day round trip. So they have they've traveled up the coast to Joppa, and they began asking people in Joppa, do you know a Simon, a Simon Peter? Well, his name had already spread throughout the city because he'd raised a man who'd been paralyzed for eight years And he was the talk of the town. They sent him to the tanner's house. 
Peter's waiting for a meal to be prepared for noon. And as he's waiting for the meal to be prepared, he suddenly goes into vision. And he sees a sheet being let down out of the heavens. And the sheet, tied by the four corners, had four-footed animals of the earth. That is, he had cattle and goats, sheep. But he also had what is referred to as the wild beast. He had lions, leopards. He had wild beasts. He also had reptiles. He had snakes. And he had birds. People who are flighty. Now, please recognize that this vision is representing different kinds of people that the gospel is going to be presented to. So some snakes are going to come to church. And some birds are going to come to church, who at the first sign of something will fly away. Also wild beasts, lions are going to come to church, who want to devour you. And also lambs are going to come. And goats. And a voice came to him saying, Peter, kill and eat. Fix yourself lunch. And Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I I never did eat anything common or unclean. Please hear what God is saying. Peter, I am sending you now to the people who are considered by you to be common and unclean. Is there ever a time in your heart when you see a reptile or you see a fox or you see a lion, a person, a bird? All they can do is screech like a parrot. They're all fluff, no content. I wouldn't try to eat a parrot, would you? All they do is screech and fly away. They have their bright colored feathers. They know how to dress for the occasion. Peter says, I'm not going to eat anything unclean or common. The voice came again. Verse 15, what God cleansed you must not consider as unclean. Do you understand that if this vision had not come, Christianity... The Christian church would have been an extension of Judaism. There had to come a separation. So now the Lord is in the process of bringing about a very painful breaking between Christianity and Judaism. It happened three times. Three times the sheet was let down, and the voice said, kill and eat. Peter is greatly perplexed. He does not understand. And then the men 
sent by Cornelius arrive at the house and they're standing at the gate and they're calling out, does Simon hear? Now I want you to see that Simon Peter didn't do anything to cause those men to come to him. It was Holy Spirit power. And what we're going to begin to see is that in the separation of Judaism and the Christian faith, the Spirit of God begins to operate at Pentecost and equip the Jewish people to go forth and proclaim in the power of the Spirit the living God. Here we're going to see the Gentile Pentecost. There are two Pentecosts. So Peter is reflecting concerning the vision. He's very troubled. He doesn't understand it. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Behold, three men are seeking you. But having arisen, you must go down and go with them, doubting nothing because I have sent them. Do you think Peter would have been contacted in Galilee, by Cornelius. No. Peter had to have made up his mind that he was not going to stay at home and do the fishing business. He was on assignment by Jesus to bring forth the new life of the gospel in the hearts of men and women. That was his heart. He was given to that task. He was available to the Holy Spirit. I have a friend who is a wonderful support giver. He encourages everyone he meets. His staff love him. He's just recently opened a new business and he had no trouble attracting staff. They all wanted to come. They like working for him. He's an honorable man and he's a support giver. He encourages them. He loves them. He serves them. But he is not a Christian. He has turned away from the gospel. His grandpa was a serious Christian. I have his grandpa's Bible. He didn't want to keep it. He turned away from Jesus. Humanism is not the same as the Christian faith. They have similar appearance on the outside. They are both support-giving. They both love. They are both for the very best of the human heart. But humanism does not have a path opened for the person that we love to eternity. Only the Christian faith opens that gateway to eternity. 
Only a person who has determined in their heart that they are going to be totally given to the gospel of Jesus Christ can possibly be available for the Holy Spirit to speak to them in such a way to give instruction regarding what their next step is. The Holy Spirit does not come to a humanist and give them direction regarding the next step they are to take in opening the way to eternity. A humanist can't do that, and the Holy Spirit won't speak to them. The Holy Spirit speaks to men and women who by prayer and supplication have utterly given their hearts into the hands of Jesus. And Peter has done this. And now he's facing an intellectual question that he has no answer for and has not been prepared to answer. Peter has not spent much time. I'm sure he spent some time because he's already heard about what's happening in Antioch as Greeks are beginning to come. But in his mind, those Greeks who come to Christ are are going to join the Jewish faith. They're going to be circumcised. They are going to keep the celebrations of the Jewish faith. They are going to be like he is, a Jewish man, worshiping a Jewish Savior. There is no path open that Peter sees for not being Jewish. And so there's a great intellectual question that he's now confronted with, for the Holy Spirit has told him, stop calling common what men call common. Stop calling them unclean what man calls unclean. Yes, they're reptiles. There's turtles. You can't move them out of the dirty water. They're snapping turtles. There's every kind of person out there. Peter sees no avenue except to bring them into Judaism. And now he's being told by the Spirit, there's something going on you don't understand. I want you to hear this. The church is formed by Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit. And when we don't intellectually understand the road we're to travel, we pray, we seek Him, we are totally available to Him, and as we meditate on the Word, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and give us direction for moving forward. Some of us have become well acquainted with the painful process of waiting on God. What are we waiting on God for? We're waiting on God for new intellectual understanding, and we're waiting on God to miraculously open the way before us so that we can follow the direction of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit says to him, Behold! Where has he heard that before? Remember the the shepherds out keeping their sheep? Behold! 
for some reason, that seems to be a favorite way of introducing a very difficult topic that we're not going to understand very well. Behold, Ray, I want to bring revival in Washington. Okay, what's that have to do with me? What's that have to do with you? Behold, Ray. In other words, open your eyes. I'm going to show you something. Don't be blinded by what you're about to see. Don't turn away from what you're about to see. Don't allow what you've known in the past to rule and predict what you will know in the future. Do you understand? The past does not determine the future. So what I have been in the past does not rule or dictate what I shall be now and tomorrow. I am not trapped in the past. The Spirit says to him, in verse 20, 19b, Behold, three men are seeking you. But having arisen, you must go down and go with them, doubting nothing, because I have sent them. In other words, don't try to second-guess me, Peter. Don't try to figure out what's going on here. Just do what I tell you to do. It doesn't make sense. Believe me, this did not make sense to Peter, and it put him in a place of being in direct conflict with everything he believed to this point. So what does he do? He invites a few men to go with him as witnesses so he's not in hot water all by himself. A wise choice. I want you all to go with me into revival. I don't want to go alone. I don't want to do this alone because if we fail, I don't want to take all the blame. I want you to walk with me. Peter, having gone down to the men, said, Behold, here it goes again. He's now using angel language. Behold, I am whom you seek. What's the reason for which you're here? Will you explain this to me? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, reverencing God, being well spoken of by the whole nation of the Jews, was instructed by a holy angel to summon you into his house and to hear ramus from you, hearing God-breathed words from you. He invited them in. It was too late to head back that day. So they came in as guests. Do you understand? That's not supposed to happen. Gentiles don't enter Jewish people's homes as guests. I'm suspecting that Peter had a pretty rough night. The next day, Peter went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied them. So now they are going to walk 40 miles to go to Caesarea. 
They enter Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, having called together his kindred and close friends. And as it came about, Peter entered in, and Cornelius, having met him, having fallen at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, You must stand up. I myself also am a man. See, when God comes in and begins to function in your life, you've got to be very clear of the difference between yourself and the work of God. And don't begin to think that you're God. Don't begin to think that you're the one creating this. You're not. I mean, what we're watching here is a plan devised in heaven to separate Judaism from the Christian faith. Yes, it was a Jewish disciple group. Yes, the Holy Spirit fell on the Jews. Yes, Jesus was Jewish. But Paul said, the mystery of the gospel has been revealed to me. That God intends to make one man out of the Jewish people and the Gentile people. He intends to have one man. It's called the church. While talking with him, he entered and finding many assembled. So he was saying to them in verse 28, You yourselves understand how unlawful it is for a man, a Jew, to associate with or to approach a Gentile. But God showed me not to call any man common or unclean. There's going to have to be a work in our hearts. There's a woman that I keep speaking to with my brother Ed. She's a young woman. She was raised in a Christian family. She's now a lesbian by her own confession. She has piercings and tattoos. She's way overweight. She smokes like a smokestack. And God wants to save her. She's one of those beasts. That's what she's become. She's become an animal. And God wants to save her. Now, when I go in to Starbucks, I go in, I give her a hug. I put my arms around her and I hug her. And I say, Jesus loves you, and so do I. And Jesus has a place for you. He's not rejected you. Oh, yes, he has. Yes, he has. I'm not going to be a Christian. I'm worshiping the ancient gods. There's Ben. God didn't answer his prayers as a Methodist. So he decided he was going to rebel against the Lord. It's a wife and child. 
He's angry. Doesn't want to talk about Jesus. I love this man. I want him for Jesus. I want him for the kingdom. But he too has become a wild beast. God wants to save him. I've met some others who are snakes. They're serpents. They hiss at me. They strike at me if I get close and talk about Jesus. Don't call any man common or unclean. So without hesitation, I came having been sent, for I ask for what reason you've sent me. He still doesn't understand why he's there. He still thinks that a Gentile must become a Jewish person. And he recognizes he has stepped over the boundary beyond what he is comfortable because he has now entered into the home of a Gentile and he has brought Gentiles into the home of the man in Joppa. He is now in a a place of being very uncomfortable. And so he goes immediately to the heart of the issue. Why am I here? What do you want? Not a very polite way. Not a very polite way to talk with Cornelius. Cornelius answers. Listen to this. Verse 30, from the fourth day until this hour, I was fasting, and at the ninth hour, praying in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Who has prepared Cornelius? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is preparing people's hearts right now, and he wants us to speak to them. And if you don't speak to them, and they're lost because you're not available to the Holy Spirit, their blood is on our hands. He's saying there was a man who stood before me in bright clothing, and he said to me, Cornelius, your prayer was heard. Your charitable gifts are remembered before God. How shocking is it that suddenly we see that God answers our prayers? How awesome that the God of heaven will answer a Gentile's prayer. Therefore, you must send to Joppa and summon Simon, who is called Peter. The man is staying in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly where the prayer chapel is at. And he is preparing men in revival power. Even as we sit here in a very small company, the Holy Spirit is in the process of preparing the hearts of people. Send for him. He will speak to you. So he said, I sent for you at once. You did well having come. He's surprised that Peter showed up, but he's not surprised. 
Now we're all present before God to hear all the things having been commanded to you by God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I clearly understand that God is not a respecter of persons. He's beginning to get it a little bit. But in every nation, the one respecting him and working righteousness is acceptable to him. The one respecting God and working righteousness. This Gentile man understands this. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, this man is Lord of all. You know the rhema having happened throughout the whole of Judea, having begun from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached. So he's saying, Cornelius, you know about, you heard about Jesus. This is not something that happened in the back corner. You know that he was crucified and died. You know that he was raised from the dead. You know how God appointed Jesus from Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all the ones being oppressed by the devil because God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things that he did, both in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom also they killed, having hung on a tree. God raised this one up on the third day and gave him to be come manifest, not to all the people, but to witnesses, having been chosen before him by God, to us, who ate together and drank together with him after he arose from among the dead ones. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to bear witness that he himself is the one having been appointed by God, a judge of the living and the dead. That is the description of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are to proclaim, preach to the people, bear witness that he himself, Jesus, is the one having been appointed by God, a judge of the living and the dead. That's the gospel message. With reference to this man, all the prophets testify that through his name, everyone believing in him, receives removal of sins. Now, Peter is a talker. And he's talking. And he's saying the rhemas of God. But the Holy Spirit cuts him off. This is Holy Spirit business. This isn't Peter business. Peter was yet speaking these rhemas. The Holy Spirit fell upon all the ones hearing the word. In fact, the believers from among the circumcision were amazed. That is, the men who came from Joppa who were Jewish, and Peter who was Jewish, they're astonished. The Holy Spirit falls on these Gentiles, even as it happened at the day of Pentecost. The gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out where they were hearing them speaking in tongues and glorifying God. And Peter says, can anyone forbid the water 
that these may not be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit, even as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay on for some days. And so he baptized them all. And then he stayed and taught them all the things of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the Jewish regulations. For now, suddenly he understands. There's a difference between being a Jew and being a Christian who's a Gentile. This had to be worked out all the rest of Peter's life. And without the Apostle Paul, it would never have been theologically shaped. God used the Apostle Paul to shape the theology of the New Testament, of the Christian church. We probably would not have had a Christian church without the Apostle Paul and his theology, as we find in Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. But it was Peter who was the cutting edge that the Holy Spirit used to sever, to sever the Jewish faith from the Christian faith so that they could become of one faith in Jesus Christ. Not Jewish, not Gentile, servants of the living God of Jesus. Grafted into the vine. And the apostles and the brethren being in Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. And when Peter went up to Jerusalem, those from among the circumcision were taking issue with him, saying, You entered a house having uncircumcised men, and you ate with them? But Peter, having begun, was explaining to them in order, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain object coming down as a great sheet being let down out of heaven by four corners. And it came to me, upon which, having intently looked, I was considering and saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the reptiles and the birds of heaven. And I heard a voice saying to me, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for anything common or unclean never entered my mouth. But a voice answered me a second time, saying from heaven, What God cleansed, you must stop considering as common. And he explains what happened. Now, please. This was the separation between Judaism and Christianity. Even though it had to be worked out by the Apostle Paul theologically the undergirding of this separation and the reason for it. What I am most interested in, however, in this story is that the Holy Spirit came giving very clear direction. And we are now at a place in American history where we must once more have very clear direction. There is a work God wants to accomplish. There is a releasing of the power of God 
that he wants to accomplish. Now, frankly, I wouldn't choose us to do that through. We're an odd group. But that's what he wants to do. He wants to use Anmol. He spent a lot of time and energy getting through a lot of thick layers of rebellion. Well, he has in me too. He has in you too. He has in all of us. And now the question is, will you be totally devoted to doing whatever the Holy Spirit calls for in revival? Your time, your energy, your fortune. Will you lay down for the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I've answered that question, yes. No matter how far I have to travel, no matter what I have to do, I am committed to the work of revival in America, beginning in Washington, D.C. Are you also committed? Will you put your life on the line? Oh, but I... I have responsibilities I have to take care of. Yeah, Peter did too. And the Lord took care of Peter's responsibilities. He covered them. And frankly, it wasn't through the fishing business. Now, I'm not saying you won't work as a tent maker or whatever it is God calls you to do in the physical realm. But I'm saying, will you make first in your heart the calling to revive the people of God and to call the lost and the dying to be alive in this gospel work of Jesus? I believe we're at the end of time. Jesus is coming again. I think we have a few short years for the work of the gospel. Some of you can give more financially than others. Some of you can give more time than others. Some of you can give more testimony than others. But whatever I have to give, will you lay down as first priority this trip to Caesarea to give the rhemas of God for the coming of the Holy Spirit in power. And so you have to examine your own heart. What is absorbing the vast majority of your time and energy, of mental time and energy? Is it seeking after Jesus and laying your life before him? Is it following after Jesus? He is the Lord who was raised from the dead. He is the Lord who is the ruler and the final judge. And every man's actions will be judged by Jesus on that great day. 
I know that God now is opening the way, and we've been praying earnestly. Yesterday, we took much time to pray at the, it was not a normal party. It was a Holy Spirit party. And we took much time to pray. And it seemed clear to us the direction to be very firm on a Monday night revival meeting, to use the radio to speak to people about revival. In a very small way, to begin in obedience to Jesus, what the National Prayer Chapel was originally called for. The call was originally total, total focus on revival, on drawing people to the heart of Jesus, being made alive in holiness, in repentance. That's where we have to go back. And so today I pledge my time, my honor, my talent, my fortune, even though small, to the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask, will you do the same? Will you do the same? It's going to mean sacrificing time to come together and pray and talk. It's going to take travel time. Don't tell me it's too far to drive an hour. Would you rather drive an hour or would you rather walk 40 miles? Thanks, I'd rather drive an hour. I'm I'm speaking literally has to be laid down for the gospel. We can't be consumers. We've got to lay our life down for Jesus. Will you do that? Almighty God, I ask you to hear the words of every man and woman's heart in this place. And I ask you to bring forth, even though it be small, a group of people who will utterly give themselves to the work of revival in America. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.
RevivalNow.Church Revival in Woodbridge RevivalNow.Church Revival in Woodbridge RevivalNow.Church Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at NationalPrayerChapel.com or our sister website, RevivalNow.Church We love you. God bless you.
falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. 